0: Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. I, I Welcome back to another episode of Fearless. Today we're going to talk about how to balance being a working mom. I have a six year old girl and a three year old boy. And the last couple years have been so difficult to me of how I balance it all and do it in a way that honors God. How do I be a wife first, a mom, and then do what I feel like God has called me to do? And I love asking when I come across older women that I've seen have been there, done that, I like to ask them how they do it, and how do other moms find certain things that work for their family. So today I've asked people that I work with to join me in on this conversation of how a working mom balances it all. From a biblical perspective, we live in a society that is kind of, you know, very pro-women right now, empowering women, put us first, um, do what's best for us. But how do we come to the table as working women with a biblical perspective to honor our husbands, to honor our children, and do what we feel like God's called us to? So today for this conversation, um, like I said, I love learning from other women, and I ask them all the time. So I have brought three people I work with at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association to join me, and I'm going to have them introduce themselves.
1: I'm Aaliyah White. I'm an HR specialist at the ministry, and I am expecting my first
2: son in three weeks.
0: That's so exciting. She's in an awesome stage. This is all new to her.
2: And scary. (laughs) I'm Sarah Llewellyn. I'm a copywriter here, and I am a foster, hopefully soon-to-be adoptive mom to four kids ages 2 to 12.
3: I'm Kathy Yokely. I'm the Vice President of Communications with the Ministry, and I have a son who is 27 in medical school, and I have a daughter who passed away almost 11 years ago at age 13 from cancer. So
0: we here at this table have come from all different backgrounds and we're in different stages of being a mom. And I think for many of us, we probably look up to Kathy in so many ways because she has just been a woman that has set a wonderful example of working and balancing it. And I'm excited to especially have her so we can ask questions and then for y'all to maybe give tips of how you've made it work in your family and maybe for Malia, the questions that you have to come and the things that you're worried about. I think when I talk to many of my friends, I know that I have one friend in particular that she has worked very hard since college and has worked her way up in a PR firm. And there was a time period that I didn't work. And I just looked up to her. I was just so inspired of this woman that had worked hard and had self-worth. And I remember those days that I did not work. I wanted to be working. And now that I'm working, I want to be home with my kids. And we as women can often feel guilty for that. And am I alone, or are those other things that you have struggled with to find a balance for?
3: I think that's a struggle for most women. And I know from my perspective, when my children were younger, You know, I graduated from college, and I was, you know, go-getter career gal as well, and I wanted to have that career. And I was fortunate enough that when I actually became pregnant with my first child, I worked for a company that a couple of women had gone ahead of me and paved the way and actually asked could they work from home part-time. And the company had been progressive enough to say, yes, we'll allow you to do that. And so I approached my manager and said, I think with my position, it's something that I could easily do each way. And he was gracious and allowed me to do that. So in the beginning, when my son was born, I thought, OK, well, I have the best of both worlds. I get to go into the office in the morning and work until noon. I pick him up from child care. I take him home. I'm home with him in the afternoon. Now, I did have to have a childcare person to come in and help me with that because with my work ethic, I was going to be doing what I had promised I would be doing while I was home. But I could hold him. I could, you know, rock him. I could have take him out and swing him. So I felt like this is amazing. So then three and a half years later, Natalie comes along and similar situation. I would pick them both up in the afternoon and take them home. It was when Will started kindergarten that it really started, I started to struggle with that because while, again, my company was gracious and I could go over and I could spend an afternoon every Thursday afternoon reading and helping out in his class, I really started to have an internal struggle. Like, I really want to be more involved in his school life. I want to be, I want to see where he is during the day. I want to make sure he's safe during the day. And so that's when I started to have the conversation with the Lord. What is it that you want me to do? I know you've wired me to be the kind of person that really needs to have something besides being home and, and constantly and changing the diapers and not having something that for me felt more stimulating, but um, I was working. And so I said, do you want me to quit and do this full time? Or is there some other way? Is there something else that you're calling me to do? Well, I started praying about it, and the Lord opened up a door for me that there was absolutely no other way that it would have opened had it not been for him. So on March 2nd, 1998, I started my own business. And the verse that always comes to mind to me is Ephesians 3:20, which is now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think." Mm-hmm because I would have never in a million years expected the Lord to bless me in that way. But it gave me an opportunity to work from home full time, but to stay in my trade, which was something I genuinely enjoyed doing. And I had so much flexibility that I, when I went to the school, I was PTA president and I was room mom, um, that the people at the school were actually shocked to find out that I had a company and I had a job. And so I'm extremely grateful for how the Lord opened the door for me to do
0: And I that. think what's sweet about that, too, is your heart towards it. You went to the Lord, and you said, Lord, what should I do? And you were willing to surrender the career that you wanted and that you loved, but then the Lord gave you the desires of your heart. And I think as women, too, we live in a society that is, like I said earlier, self-centered and me, me, me. And that that is sweet that the Lord wants our hearts in service, whether that's through being a mom at home or being where he's called us in the workplace. I think for my situation, I'm about to enter a
1: whole new world and one that I've obviously prayed about for a long time, but never uh, experienced. And I think, too, a lot of it will depend on your husband and their trade. And my situation is my husband's a college baseball coach. So that means long hours. That means weekends. That means um, just a lot of hours in general. And so balancing that, I know the Lord's called me to serve in ministry and to continue to do this. But also, how am I going to be able to you know serve my son and be the best mom to him? Um, but also be there for my husband um, as a wife figure and make sure that our son is getting time with him too in the off season and just balancing the scheduling and balancing um, the calling that the Lord has given us for to be a wife and to be a mama is going to be challenging for me personally.
2: So for me, I've never had a season at home full time. Um, I've always worked before kids and the whole time that um, I've had kids. So I have, however, dealt with a lot of guilt for working full time. Um, I feel guilty about being away from them all day. I also feel guilty at times because because they're foster children. um, They have a different set of needs, I think, than a lot of a lot of biological children have. They have a lot of times more emotional need, I think. So I deal with feeling like I need to be there for them. um, And I need to be so present when I'm with them, which can be hard when you're working, you know, eight or nine hour days. However, you know, there there are a couple things. One, I definitely have prayed about it consistently since the first day that they came into our home. And I I absolutely feel that God has called me to continue working full time and God has not opened a door for me to not work full time, just very on with practical things like my husband's, um, my husband's job does not offer um, health insurance. And, you know, we, we need a certain size house for four kids. So these are all things that just, I know that God has not opened that door. So that has helped me deal with that guilt. And I've also, You know, my boss has graciously let me adjust my schedule a couple days a week so I can have a longer afternoon um, with my toddlers who are at daycare and with the kids when they get off the bus. So while it's been difficult to carry that guilt, I also feel like God has really been gracious in making it very clear to me what he has called me to do. And I will say,
3: and I shared this with Sarah even recently, The thing that has helped me the most when I have been away from my children, for me, it is about quality of time and not quantity of time. So it's the intentionality of when you're with them that is what will make the difference or made the difference for me, is knowing that when they had me, they had me. They had my undivided attention.
0: And I think that's important because when we go home, We have to then go to the grocery store or do the cooking and do the dishes and do the laundry. And there's so much more that calls us. It's women are torn between two full-time jobs. you got to be a mom full-time, and you have to come work at the office. So what are ways? And that word that you said, Kathy, intentional, is something Corey and I have been using in the last four weeks because in the last year, it's not been intentional. So we're trying to be intentional of everything. Um, with our family, with each other, with our prayer life, our conversations. But what are some ways that you all are intentional as you go home for your family to make sure that time is well spent and it's quality time, not quantity time? Are there traditions that you do? Are there things uh, you do throughout the week that you make
1: sure? For me, obviously, I don't have children at home yet. Um, But with my husband's position and the late nights and the weekends, um a lot of people they they have three game series on the weekends And so for me to get to spend time with my husband, that means I have to go spend time at the field. And people are just blown away that I could sit through two baseball games back to back for nine hours. But I know how much that means to my husband. And I know how much that means for him to be walking back from the mound and see me sitting there, even though we're not getting to talk. um, It's still I'm spending time with him and I'm showing him that what he cares about and what he's passionate about, I support him. Um, and so I'm curious how that's going to work with a baby. You're going to take the baby to the baseball field <laughs> right. and they are going to love it
0: and be raised as a baseball player.
1: Right. Um, I, but I know there's going to be times where the weather's not great or um, they're traveling over the weekend and I'm just not going to be able to make it whereas before I could. Um, so that's a really good point And something that we've actually discussed is he's used to me being at every game and that's probably going to change with a newborn at home. Um, But being intentional about being there when we can with the baby too, I think is important.
2: And for me, it's exactly, I mean, what Kathy said really has encouraged me because with the guilt of, oh, I'm not getting enough time with them, but making it about quality, what I have tried to do now is when I go home for at least one hour, I put my phone up. um, I don't turn on the TV to help keep the kids entertained. I don't do laundry. I just take at least one hour to focus on my two year old and three year old. Um, and that's usually from about, you know, four to five or five to six. And I tell um, the, the 11 and 12 year old, hey, after the girls are in bed, then it'll be, you know, it'll be your time and we'll play a game together. Or we'll just talk about their day. So I try and make sure that each sibling set has at least one hour every day where the the entire you know, my attention is solely focused on them and on and on having fun with them, not on like, you know, how did you do your homework, you know, that kind of thing. So that is that has helped me and we are still getting used to things because I've only been a parent for a year. (laughs) So it's been an adjustment. And so we're still developing like schedules and rules. But that has been one thing that has really, you know, made me feel better because I'm enjoying time with my kids, but it's also, I've noticed a a change in them. Like they're happy and they're excited for that hour. So that's really, that's made a big difference.
0: Sarah, you just mentioned something so important is that when you go home, you're trying to give your kids your undivided attention. And Corey and I've been having that conversation as well, even with each other. Because if I'm here at work, and for my work, it's very unconventional. If I work, I have to travel. I'm on the road all the time. So our life looks so different. So that's why I like having this conversation is what does it work for Corey and I? What works for you and what works for Kathy? But you said undivided tension where you put your cell phone away. And we live in a culture that we are constantly being pulled in all directions. And I think Satan uses that. There's so much noise and distractions. For me, Netflix is a huge distraction because I am so tired. I wanna get in my bed and I wanna binge watch something. And I have been so convicted lately and I didn't listen to that conviction right away. But lately I've had to put Netflix away because I would sit in bed and watch Netflix for two hours and not talk to Corey. And we needed that time to come back together and talk about work, talk about what's going on. But, and we've been putting our cell phones down, especially at the dinner table. I think, too, and I know this is something Kathy and I have talked about, but
1: um, just because we're females and just because uh, we are having children or have had children, um, I still have a high expectation for how I want to perform in my job. And, um, you know, my dad has always been just a big influencer on working hard and telling me, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And so for me, with my job – Um, it's not abnormal for me to be checking my emails at seven or eight o'clock at night or trying to catch up on things, but just feel like I'm being adequate and that um, I'm being successful in my job. And I think that that's a pressure that um, now it's easy for me to go home and continue to work and check my emails. But I'm really concerned about how is that going to impact when I have a child and will I still be able to be that successful female in my position, um, even after I have the child. And that's something that Kathy's really been able to speak into um, even since I started here. But it's definitely a fear of mine that I
0: have. Because it is a hard balance. It's 2019, and we are to answer things quickly. And everybody knows our bosses, but we have our email is at home right there. Even when we go to sleep, it's right there for us to go to sleep with and wake up with. And that is a hard question. How do we do that? Because even our work, the workplace has changed because now we take work home. And I don't know if I have that answer because we do need to check our emails at home for work. But you don't want to see our kids on our phone all the time.
1: I think, too, being a female, there's even I and I'll probably put it on myself, but there's even more pressure as a female to be just as committed to my job as the male who's doing the same position and sometimes I think I catch myself trying to overcompensate for that and work two times as harder as someone else if a male were in my position because I just feel like I have to work twice as hard to make myself feel relevant or successful and I know once again that's something Kathy and I have talked about and I don't know how that will change when I have a child.
3: Well, I'm fortunate enough that I'm older than you guys, and so I cell phones were not a big issue for me when my kids were growing up because it, they didn't really become a thing until my children were a little older. So I'm blessed that I didn't have to deal with the distraction of the phone. Um, I will say that I don't personally at this stage in my life feel an expectation to run the race you know, with my male peers, I guess for me, I'm comfortable enough in my own skin that I feel like I'm competent and I'm good. And I do what I feel like I just need to do to get my job done. And I don't allow other people to place the expectation on me. But I can see how that would be a real struggle.
2: I will say that I have struggled with that feeling of what are what are my male peers thinking of me because they know that I have four kids and they know that Every evening, like I am engaged elsewhere, but I have just learned to. I just finally prayed and said, "God, I'm giving this to you." Like I have this feeling. I don't. I think it may be paranoia on my part. People probably aren't thinking about me as much as I think they are. (laughs) Um. So I just, I just had to lay that down, and I still have to lay it down sometimes when it, you know, those thoughts creep in, and I just think I'm doing the absolute best I can at work. I'm doing the absolute best I can at home, and I'm leaving the rest up to God. Changing gears a little
0: bit is, for me, when I work, like I said earlier, I have to travel and I'm on the go and the, I'm up early or up late, I get home from a long trip, and then the demands of the household and the kids. I have had a hard time figuring out my balance with my spiritual life and replenishing my heart and my soul because I've realized in the last few years, being a working mom, I haven't been able to be a part of a Bible study either. I remember I did join this Bible study, and i had to I had to join one at nighttime so I could go, so my husband could watch the kids after he got home from work. And I missed a couple because I was gone on some work trips, and they didn't know who I was. They didn't know I work who I worked for, or what I did. I was just gone for work trip. And she later said, "I just don't think this is going to be the right Bible study for you." And I wasn't angry at her. She and she was trying to be kind and sweet. Um, But I just got in my car and I cried, because I needed older women speaking into my life. I needed somebody teaching me. I needed my heart and soul. And I just wanted to learn about, like, God, I just want to learn about you. And I'm getting kicked out of Bible study. I didn't really get kicked out. So my question is, are there ways that your church has opened up that conversation of how to reach working moms in their church and how to minister to them? Or did you find new ways that maybe worked for you of in your spiritual life as a working mom?
3: I had more flexibility when I was working from home. So I would do a lot of the—we had a mother's prayer group that met every other Wednesday at our church, and we would read a book. We'd pray over our kids— I would do sometimes like a Thursday morning study. When I came back into the workplace full time, I just had to be more intentional, again, of signing up for an evening Bible study, and I did that for a while. And I will say one of the studies that I did when I was sitting at home doing it one day because those little eyes are always watching um, Natalie was a Tom called her mini me. She always wanted to do what mom was doing. And so I was sitting there one day doing my study and you were supposed to fill out verses and put them on index cards. And she asked me what I was doing. And then she asked me if she could do it, too. And so we we made it an art project. And so we went out and bought some little photo albums. She had beautiful handwriting. And so she wrote all of her little cards out. And what was interesting about that is for us doing that activity together years later when she got sick, that was the first thing she asked for was a new photo album and some cards. And then she texted all of her friends and family and said, what's your favorite Bible verse? wrote them on the cards, put them in the notebook. When I would come home from work, she was studying them. And then at one point when she was in the hospital for 30 days, she illustrated those cards by memory. And that started, that was rooted in me doing a Bible study and she's seeing me do it and wanted to be a part of that. So that is very important for our children to see us understanding that when God calls us to the spiritual discipline of study, They need to see that we're not just taking them to Sunday school or to church, but they're actually seeing us engage in it. So that was important for me, for them to know that I wasn't expecting them to study God's Word, and I wasn't doing it myself. Where I am at the phase in my life now is it's easier for me to instigate the study. And because my spiritual gift is teaching— I lead study. And so we're, I think, on the second one here at work, where I have a group of young ladies that have asked me if I'll do study with them. And so I've tried to incorporate the study into my workday where I am, rather than me going to that. And so that's worked for me.
0: I think when we listen to you, Kathy, you've done it all. you've been there, done there. Kathy's and very flawed, and you never seem to have any sort of our generation is so stressed out and anxiety and me I got to go here and there, and it's like, it's like,, I did this,
3: and I did this, <laughs>
0: and, this.
3: and you just well, there's always I mean
0: that in such a good way well, there's
3: anxiety in any you know I'm a human being, but I will say one of the things that I also learned through my daughter's death is. I have a much lower anxiety level. I don't fear things because my biggest fear came to fruition. And so the Lord taught me that he was faithful to me through that. So he's not ever going to let me down. So I try to balance everything against, okay, what's my priority? And my priority is the Lord. And so I can't know if he's speaking to me if I'm not in his word. So I have to make that a priority. But that's where I am at this stage in my life.
0: I know for me, I've caught myself. I have this idea of how I want my Bible study and devotions to be. It's when the sun is rising with my cup of coffee in the same spot, and that's not the stage I don't think any of us are in. And I've had to find myself in the carpool line, just with my daily light, my Bible right there in the like the fifteen minutes in the carpool line. So it's just looked different in different stages. But something I look back as my family. Um, with my dad that was gone and worked a lot. And I was trying to think what did things my parents do to help raise us kids to love God's word? And that was kind of like a, a daily routine. I've looked back over the years that my family, as much as my dad was gone, when he was home, we would have family Bible study together every single night. And nighttime can be hard as a mama. <laughs> It's like bath time and cleaning the kitchen. And, but no matter what, we came together as a family and we had prayer time, devotions, and we got on our knees as a family and everybody went and around the circle and we prayed together. So we went to bed on the same page. And I, I look back, I didn't think about it at the time, but I think that had a huge impact in our life. Is there something you'll do, in? I was
1: just going to say that my journey to getting to where I am being pregnant was not an easy one. Um, I struggled with infertility for a while. And looking back, now that I am on the flip side of this blessing, I think the Lord used that to show me I have to always depend on Him medicine couldn't heal me. We tried. (laughs) A doctor couldn't tell me to eat something different or do something different. It didn't work. Um, It was just the Lord. And so I think now in this next somewhat anxiety-filled chapter, um, I have peace about it because if the Lord brought me through that and I was just reliant on Him, He's not going to leave me now. And so I think when all else fails, go back to the Lord. He was faithful before, like you said, Kathy, and He'll continue to be faithful.
0: Sarah, you have an amazing story of how there was a season of your life of brokenness and hurt and kind of wondering where was God in the midst of this thinking he had answered a prayer and then took it away. And you share later of how in that season of questioning, that you poured everything you have out to the Lord and that he used that later on in a season. Do you mind sharing that?
2: We had a very, very difficult year before our two toddlers came to live with us. Um, Our youngest, who is two now, we actually lost her through a broken adoption when she was just a month old. So she was with us and then she was taken back. And so that was just a a full year of um, a lot of, a lot of grief. And so in that year I had a ton of time to study my Bible and I just memorized like chapters at a time. And I just spent so much time praying and um, absorbing as much as I could, not knowing that God was bringing that season to an end and was bringing me children when was answering my, my prayers. Um, So, Now I'm in a season where I don't feel like I get to have that same amount of time. I don't get to be spending an hour memorizing scripture. You know, I I read my Bible every day and I get to have fellowship because I'm blessed to work at a ministry every day, but I just don't have what I had in that season. But the, the wonderful thing is, is that God has used that season. He has used that very difficult season of grief and infertility and praying to now you know, bring me to the place where I can draw on all the things that he taught me in that season. So that's really been a blessing. Um, I I hate to say it was a dark season because on one hand it was, it was a dark season of grief, but on the other hand, God was just so present in such a powerful way. Um, and he just carried me through it. And my husband and I spent a year and a half praying, um, That God would bring us children, but also praying for her and just praying that God would would keep her safe and provide for her and that he would bring her back to us someday in some way. And so we were shocked when we got a call from social services that she was going to come back to us in foster care. But she wasn't just coming. It was also her and her three siblings. So um, we are just so thankful that, you know, we have her and we have her two sisters and one brother.
3: It's an amazing story.
0: You know, studies prove all the time that mothers and grandmothers have the most spiritual impact on children, and it's so important that we remember that, that that these gifts that God has entrusted us with. That is our number one job: is to share the love of Christ with them. And Kathy shared earlier, you know, with the scripture cards, and it's reminded me of you know this is the most important thing with my children, and to be intentional with that. I know this is just something small that I've done. I can remember growing up, I always saw my grandparents and my parents with their Bible open. Well, right now in the stage of life, I get up really early and I try to do my Bible study before the kids wake up. Most mornings I try. (laughs) But it would be so easy to close it and get going as soon as they wake up. But I've been intentional of leaving the Bible open. Because I want my children to see this is where mom finds her truth. This is what mom does on a daily basis. And I've seen you said how Natalie watched you. Margaret will come down the steps and she'll see I'll have my Bible open. She'll run back up steps and get her Bible and open it. And then Austin got up the other day. And he's a little bit of a slower learner at three. He's just he's my boy and I love him. But he came up and he got in my lap and the Bible was open. I was drinking my coffee and we're just at the breakfast table, it's still dark, just me and him. And I said, Austin, what is this? That's God's word. And I said, And what is God's word? It's true. And it's starting to click. When your kids, St. Melia, when your kids start grasping truth for the first time, it's so sweet and so tender. But it's intentional because then our day gets busy. But in those little moments as parents, we have to know that that's our first job. And we have to find ways that work for our family to know, to point our children to God's word. And I love the scripture cards. The sweetest story now is for those that are listening, Kathy took those scripture cards that her daughter made and has um, printed them out and packaged them. And now my little girl has Natalie's scripture cards in her room and Margaret looks at those and we read them. So it's just sweet because God is
3: still using
0: Kathy's example of scripture cards that her daughter grasped and now my daughter uses them.
3: Well, and even more amazing than that to me is God's faithfulness that I have a colleague in the United Kingdom that when I went over to visit his daughter was having surgery and so I, she likes to bake and so I took her a little gift and I put one of the packs of the scripture cards in there and about six months ago, I got a Facebook message from her saying, i like to send these scripture cards to my unsaved friends who need encouragement, and I'm running out. Can you send me some more? And I thought, God, you're so amazing. My child has never stepped foot in the United Kingdom, but yet she's having an impact through her faithfulness to claim your word.
0: And I look at how God used a mom who, in the midst of a busy schedule and a busy life, was taking the time to set the example for her child. And God has faithfully used that streaming through time and still using it as a major impact from a mom's example. So one of the conversations my husband and I have had to have are kind of the division of chores. Now that I'm a working mom and I'm traveling and I'm gone all the time, and he still works, but he's working in and out of the house a lot, these chores, when I didn't work and he worked full time, I never asked him to do the dishes or make the bed. He's not in tune to do that. It's not in his uh, natural thought process to do it. Now, my husband is so great at so many other things that he can fix anything, really do anything. And he's the jack of all trades. So that I'm very thankful for. But when I come home from a work trip and there's dishes piled up that didn't even get in the dishwasher or there's laundry, that can be very difficult. And Satan has used that to really come in the center and destroy where I'll get mad and I'll get angry. And then we don't talk about it. And then it just builds the fire from there. So I have – a, and then we've had uh, deliberate conversations and we're very respectful conversations. when We're not in the heat of the moment to talk about, okay, now that our life looks different, we're both working and we're both on the go, how can we divide this up? And I want to ask you, are there ways that y'all have had these conversations and ways that you've had to kind of change a course in your household, so the divisions of chores in the society that we live in with both working parents,
3: and we can succeed and do it in a biblical and God-honoring way? Well, Tom and I both, we didn't have children until we were married for six years, so we both worked. And so we learned as we started out in our marriage that the weekends were going to be when we did the chores. And I will say that because because my husband had a mother who did everything for him, he was not wired or programmed, he doesn't see dirt or clutter the way that I see dirt and clutter. And so it would be a challenge when I would say, okay, we need to clean the bathroom every Saturday, and he would say, well, why? No one used that toilet on the second floor. I don't understand. But there's still a pink ring in it, right, from the water stain. So it got to the point where I'd say, you need to understand that even though you are verbally telling me you love me, the fact that you're not doing something that makes me feel loved is communicating more strongly to me than you saying you love me. So I'm, I'm grateful that over the many years of marriage, he's, he's learned to speak my love language well. Um, the man gets up and goes to Starbucks for me every morning but I feel like it's been a learning process. Like we've had to learn what our strengths are.
1: So as everyone in here has a boy, and I'm expecting my first son, has this changed or altered the way that you have raised your sons or are raising your son so that they will be good husbands one day?
0: I know for me, and I'm just in the beginning, I only have a three-year-old, um, and he's a rough and tough and dirty, crazy boy's boy should be. But I'm also trying to teach him to be sweet and tender and loving. Even now, it's his dishes go to the sink. And as he gets a little older, we'll teach him how to put them in the dishwasher. I, I probably am not the best because I haven't, he's only three. But I am trying to be intentional of the things that he should pick up his own toys, pick up his own books. Everything gets cleaned up, and he's a big boy. He does tend to be a little lazier than his sister, though.
2: So I, I feel like my husband and I are definitely trying to do that with our 12 year old. Um, we've been working with him on, you know, how to load a dishwasher and put his own laundry in the washer, that sort of thing. But at the same time, what I've had to learn with teaching him and with um, splitting up chores with my husband is I'm a perfectionist about chores. I want the dishes done a certain way. I want the sink cleaned. I want the entire house to be neat every night before I go to bed. I want it to always look a certain way. And what I've had to learn with both the kids and with asking my husband to do more as we have four kids and I work is that I I have to let that go. I have to let that perfectionism go. And I have to be okay with the fact that the dishes are done and they aren't done exactly the way I would do them, but they're done. And my husband and I have had a lot of conversations about that, Sissy, like you said, not in the heat of the moment, afterwards when we're talking about how we're going to divide this up. He has said to me, Sarah, you know, I really want to help, but I never feel like things are ever done to your standards. So I've really had to not, I don't want to say lower my standards, but I've really had to let the perfectionism go because that's, you know, that's, it's not helpful to anyone.
0: And I think that's true in so many relationships. And I think especially as working moms, we're so busy, we're so tired, we're so depleted. And I always tell like young wives, especially is just be thankful he helped don't criticize how he helped. Um, like, it's, Corey would hard. never make the bed the way I wanted to, but he <laughs> made the bed. So I'm thankful for it. Yes. And you made such a good point is to let that go and just be thankful that they are willing to help because there was a generation before that men would never be making the bed that they would never be. And I try to remind, especially millennials, to be thankful for. And they think, sometimes i read this article in huffington post one time and this woman was so critical of this older lady complimenting her husband saying you have the sweetest husband how lucky you are that he'll help you change the diaper i have a husband that'll help change the diaper that i'm thankful and the whole article was i'm not lucky that's his job this is his baby too and i said this poor older lady husband probably went off to World War II for years at a time is this generation has shifted and to just be thankful for that, that we do have husbands that are willing to help and that we do have that help because that didn't used to be.
3: Well, I have a grown son and I can tell you that my intention was the greatest gift I could give to his future wife was for him to be less like his dad in the regard that his mom did everything for him. And we started out on a pretty good path, and then after Natalie passed away, um, there there became a little bit of a shift because it's your only child, and then you've, you're, like, compensating for the fact that they lost their sibling. And so we're well aware of the fact that we spoiled our child once his sister passed away. Now, Will, when he went away to college, he— he did his own laundry. He moved into a house with some other guys. He cooked his own food. He's fully capable of doing those things until he comes into my house. <laughs> <laughs> and then somehow that all just sort of vanishes. <laughs> um, but I, I his, his wife, he got married last year. His wife is very much has has had a family situation where she always did a lot of the chores and so, I mean the girl will climb up on a roof and nail shingles on and it just it amazes me the things she's capable of but you know she she's whipping him into shape <laughs> because I mean they even she even sent us a snapchat one day and Will is standing there with his hand raised in the air And says, I do will promise that I will never put chicken bones in the disposal (laughs) again. And I had a mommy fail moment. And I thought, how does my child not know not to put chicken bones in a disposal? So, Malia, yes, I think that's the greatest gift you can give your son's wife to teach them to help. I can't say that that was that's been one of my most prized moments as a mom. You know, as we close
0: up, and it is so difficult of how to find this balance of being a working mom and putting your husband first and your children first and doing it in a biblical perspective in a society that is uh, so anti God and putting women first and to put yourself first and be self serving Um, and to know what is right for your family is so hard. Whether you work or whether you're not and stay at home, both have such an importance. And you have to do what God's called you to do. And I read this quote from Pastor Joe Saxton in a Barna group study that was simple, but so impactful. And it said, if we're helping women integrate faith and work, whether she's a stay at home mom or is holding down a career, we need to articulate to those women that they are both representing God in the world. So whether we are staying at home or we are at work, we're representing God. I do think we can do it all, but we have to be willing to submit in different seasons and different times of how God allows us to do that and allow Him to reveal what is best for our family. And I just want to thank you ladies so much for joining me and adding to the conversation and just to be able to learn from one another. And I wanted to end with a Bible verse, Colossians 3, it says— And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Another Bible verse I want to share with you as we wrap up this conversation of how to balance being a mom and also a mom who's working. And it can be so hard in these different seasons of life of when you are working, you want to be at home with your children. And when you're home with your children, not feeling the value and wanting to go to work. But I want to remind you with this Bible verse of Philippians 4.11, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. And I just want to encourage you in whatever season God has you in now, be content with it. Continue to pray as the seasons in your family changes that God would reveal himself to you what is best for you and your family. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. To stay connected, follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.